Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. David's already given you a great application from our time today. It's a really good idea for you to grab a piece of paper and just say, by faith, I, put your name in the blank, did this. And so it's just a good, hey, what, am I, what are the things I'm doing in my life that are by faith? And my hunch is you'll be encouraged, okay, that I do these things because I have, uh, I, I trust in God's promises, I trust in God. And so one of the things that Trisha and I uh, go back to all the time, we could put by faith, Trisha and I, and probably I should say by faith, Trish survived the great bait and switch, okay? And so what that was is when we were dating years ago, um, we were dating for about a year, maybe a little longer, when I had a real job, okay? So I was selling insurance for an insurance company and I was, making money and we were traveling and I was able to give nice gifts. And as we were moving towards getting engaged, uh, I got a call from uh, the folks at Young Life staff. And they said, hey Kyle, we'd love for you to come on our staff in Lake Highlands. And all of a sudden we're having a very different conversation. Not that Trish wasn't all in, but all of a sudden she was becoming the primary breadwinner. Okay, in terms of we're about to take a huge step of faith, to take a huge cut in salary, we're about to move, leave a church that we absolutely loved over in Arlington and trust God with this move because we think that's the right thing. And all the things you can think about, like, hey, that sounds scary. I mean, it was all of that, right? Is God gonna take care of us? What's gonna happen? And I would tell you that it was the greatest decision that we ever made. Like we have not looked back one day and said, man, I sure wish we would have stayed in that job and stayed over there because of this adventure that God has had us on through the years. So here's what we wanna do today is how do we grow our faith? That was one example for us. I'm gonna give you plenty where we didn't trust God before the day's over, okay? But how, how are you trusting God for things that maybe aren't, maybe aren't reasonable or don't make sense. And so Hebrews chapter 11, eight through 22 is gonna kind of show us some of that as we get going. Before we jump into the actual passage, I just wanna remind you what the preacher or the author is doing in Hebrews chapter 11. So the first thing he's doing, he in this chapter is reminding you of the importance of faith. Okay, faith is mentioned 40, 40 times in the book of Hebrews and 29 in chapter 11 alone. You heard David read it, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, as we went through that. And if you remember last week, Derek, as he was teaching, just kind of reminded us what faith is, right? So faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So it's a deep belief in things that I can't see and, and their promises, their future things. So what they are, and then in 11.6, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. Let's go back. Everybody getting the importance of faith here, right? Without faith, it's important to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is or that he exists 
and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So he's trying to tell you this faith conversation is really, really important. The second thing he's wanting to do is he is wanting the Hebrews, okay, the Jewish people that he's talking to who have become Christians, he's wanting them to persevere. They are in the midst of persecution and trials and they're thinking about going back to Judaism. And the author, the preacher here is saying, hey, don't do that. Remember, we spent chapters one through 10 talking about why Jesus is better. And now in chapter 11, I'm gonna give you 16 specific names and countless other groups of people who by faith, here's what they did. So he wants you to persevere in your faith as we move through this. And then he gave you examples to initiate. So for all of my friends who walk out of this room on Sundays and say, man, I wish they would have given me more, more things to do, more examples of what to do, all of that. I'm like, this guy's given you a ton of here's what faith lived out looks like. Here are examples for you to follow, really. And my assumption is if I was sitting in that audience in those days, I don't have an excuse anymore. Because I've been told that Jesus is better and now this is what this is supposed to look like. So I think the author, the preacher's taken away our excuse from living uh, by faith. And so no matter where you are on your journey of faith, and we know every Sunday there's folks in here that are all over the map on their journey of faith. We've got some folks in here probably that are still exploring their faith. Like, do I, do I, do I even believe in God? What's this relationship with Jesus mean? And so this chapter is for you. And there's other people in here that are stuck in their faith, or maybe they've gone backwards in their faith. And I'm telling you, this chapter's for you. And there's people in here that are growing and moving towards maturity. And I think there's something for all of us to learn in this chapter that we can apply that's gonna help us as individuals and as a church grow our faith. Because we all know what's coming. Nobody's sticking their head in the sand. It is harder and harder to be a Christ-following, Bible-believing Christian in our age. And so as we think about living, okay, as Christ followers now who believe that God's word is inerrant and Jesus is the only way to heaven, okay, we, we're gonna have to grow our faith. And just as importantly, we're gonna have to be intentional about growing our kids' faith. So I hope that you walk out today and you go home and you think about what's a conversation I can have with my kids about how they can grow their faith. And so we're gonna teach the passage a little bit out of order, which is not normal, but it's just gonna make a little more sense for our application of today's message. So we're gonna talk about how Abraham and Sarah looked forward in eight through 12. Okay, paragraph one, we're gonna skip paragraph two and we're gonna do paragraph three, which is Abraham to Joseph by faith. They were looking forward in 17 through 22, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna take that middle paragraph, 13 through 16, because it's kind of a commentary, it's an application of by faith. And so, as you heard David read Hebrews chapter 11, eight through 22, or maybe as you read along with us this week in the Bible app, I hope, like I did, you have one humongous interpretive question as you read that. I, this, when I read that, it just sticks out to me like nothing else. And that is, how in the world did this group of people get in the hall of faith? 
All of these people are tied to a much bigger story in Genesis 11 through 50. And can I tell you, they are a mess. Okay, the patriarchs that have made the hall of faith, how in the world do they get in there? They're a total mess. And so some examples of that, right? Abraham threw his wife under the bus twice with two different kings, Pharaoh and Abimelech, right? And said, hey, they're gonna kill me because of your beauty, you go work in their court, right? Sarah and Abraham decided to short circuit God's plan, okay, for all of his descendants by grabbing a handmaid, Hagar, and saying, let's fulfill the promise through her, right? And they shortcut, they shortcut God's plan. Anybody here struggle with control? That's, that's on Terry's list that he talked about at the beginning, right? It's like, hey, I'm gonna take this on in my own hands and I'm gonna make God's promise happen my way and not God's way. Isaac lied to Abimelech about Rebekah, like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Okay, the son did exactly what his father did and basically gave his wife to a king because they thought they were gonna kill him because of how beautiful she was. And then we know as you read those chapters, Jacob was a deceiver. And so these patriarchs were a mess. And so were your other Bible heroes, right? Think about Noah, David, Solomon, Peter, Thomas. They're a mess. And so how did they, how did they get into the hall of faith? Well, before that, I don't take any, I don't take any pleasure in celebrating the flaws of these people, but there's something uh, that's strangely encouraging about reading those stories because it matches my story, right? I'm a mess. I mean, I struggle. Three steps forward, two steps back. So I act in faith one day and I act in fear the next. I treat Trish with grace and honor and cherish her one day and the next day I'm short and quick-tempered, okay, and independent and selfish. Three steps forward, two steps back. I've been battling the same weight sin, just how I deal with food for 30 years, right? And I'm like, it's, I still don't have victory in that area. Right, I don't, so just so you know, I don't have any need to, to get recognition for things. That's not a thing for me, but to be deeply respected by other people, man, that is a core issue in my life that leads me to have insecurities and fears, okay? Because I wanna be respected so bad and it leads to performance, okay? And not trust. And then I also, I've got a, I got a pretty healthy uh, faith in a, in a bank account. Right, I struggle a bit. Uh, I can be really generous one day and the next day I can be selfish and miserly, right? And so three steps forward, two steps back for the patriarchs and for me, sometimes three steps forward, one step back, and sometimes three steps forward and 10 steps back. That's the, that's the life of a faith journey, right? and you just don't quit. You just keep pursuing the God of the universe. And so here's the point. That is that the patriarchs and you and I are on a faith journey 
from independence, independent living, to dependent living. God is in the business of creating dependence upon himself. That's what he's doing. The good things that happen in your life, the hard things that are happening in your life, God wants to create dependence on himself. We're on a journey in maturity to maturity. We're on a journey of selfishness to being others-centered first. And so you don't give up, right? Whenever you blow it, you say, hey, I'm sorry. You ask for forgiveness from the Lord first and then from those that you've hurt. And you just get back on the horse and you keep going. And so how does, how can God put these folks in the hall of faith? Same way that I can have a right standing before God as somebody who is a mess. When I ask forgiveness for the same thing for 150th time, right? I can still be in right standing before God because how he thinks about me, how God thinks about me. So let's look at Psalm 103, eight through 14 and just pay attention. If you don't have this somewhere handy, I would just say, Put it in your notes, and if you can, memorize this, because it's so helpful for us as we grow our faith. So this is how the Lord sees you. If you are a Christ follower, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame and he is mindful that we are but dust. How can we be in right standing before God? It's because of the grace and mercy of God, period. That's it. And if you're living in guilt or you're living in shame or you feel like you're living imprisoned somehow, God's got freedom for you. He's got peace for you because of his grace and because of his mercy. I had lunch uh, this past Tuesday with a good friend of mine. We've been friends for 30 plus years and uh, probably the, one of the guys, probably the top five guys in my life uh, that's had an influence on me. And so we had lunch and we spent 20 minutes talking about kids and wives and all that kind of stuff. And then he, he said, Kyle, hey, I asked you to come to lunch for another reason. And he just said, hey, about six weeks ago, I found out that I had a malignant melanoma in my neck. And he goes, it's stage three or stage four. And he goes, they went in, 25 stitches, pulled it out. It was in the lymph nodes, but they thought they got most of it. And, uh, but he said, the problem is that it wasn't the primary location for melanoma, which is a skin cancer. And so they knew somewhere else there was, that was growing. Well, come to find out this last week or so, they found out that it was on the inside of his nose, right? So he's leaving for MD Anderson tomorrow, okay, to go deal with this primary location of the melanoma without having any idea what's gonna happen on that one. And, and I, I don't tell you that story because of that hard thing. Look, there's people in our body that are dealing with things like that right now, even harder stuff than that. But I tell you that because of what happened the next hour. The next hour we sat there and we celebrated God's goodness, his faithfulness, 
the joy that this guy has. He said, look, I was on a, I was on a ski lift when I got the news, right? And he said, I got off the ski lift and my legs were wobbly for about 30 seconds. And then he said, ever since then, there has been this overwhelming peace and joy and contentment knowing that I have followed Jesus all the days of my life, right? I've been looking forward to the promises that God has given me and it was awesome. And we just sat there and we cried some together just telling his wife was hard and telling his kids were hard as you can totally imagine, but he was perfectly at peace. And I walked away from that and also having been in Hebrews 11, watching these guys and girls, and I'm like, I, I want some of that. Give me that faith, right? That's been developed over 40 years, three steps forward, two steps back, keeping your eyes on the future, but give me some of that. And so what we're gonna do, we're gonna look at Hebrews chapter 11, eight through 22, and I think the patriarchs and the writer of this passage gives us some things gonna be really helpful for us to grow our faith. And that's the heart of today, that we would as a body grow our faith. So let's read eight through 22. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself conceived, received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even one man, I love this, and him as good as dead. This author's just called, Abraham was as good as dead. And at that, as many descendants as the stars of the heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. So what's, what's happening in this passage? So by faith, Abraham obeyed a call when he was about 70 years old, not knowing the destination, the passage says, he didn't know where he's going, okay? And he's trusting in a promise of a future inheritance. So let's go back to Genesis 12, one through three. Let's go back and let's just read the promise. And by the way, Gentile Christians, us, this is really big for us. It's a really important passage in your Bible. Okay, to know this. And it just says in Genesis 12, one through three. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And, as, and so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Did you catch that last part? Okay. All the families of the earth going future are gonna be blessed because of this covenant that God is making with Abraham. That's really good for us, right? Because we got grafted in to the family of God. Okay, so this is a little bit like, let's just say Trish and I heard God's call again, and he said, hey, Colin, Trish, I want you to leave family, I want you to leave friends, and I want you to go from Dallas to Denver um, and you're not gonna know when you leave what the destination is, but his first stop was about 700 miles away. Okay, and if you remember, they did not have RVs and campers back in those days. This is donkeys and camels, 700 miles just to their first stop on a promise of a future 
inheritance on a promise. So how many of us in here, okay, not having more details, not wanting to control the outcome, okay, would be able to say, yes, Lord, send me. That's what I want to do. But that's what Abraham and Sarah did. And so they went towards the promised land. They lived as aliens, it says, with their family, that Abraham was a nomad looking forward to a heavenly and holy city. Did you catch that? Abraham's looking for the city that's built by God, not just the promised land, but beyond the promised land to a city, a future city whose architect is God. So that's in his view of looking forward. Sarah, well past her childbearing years, gave birth, trusting in a promise. And then there's a great summary statement at the end of this passage. It says, one old man as good as dead now has as many descendants as stars in the heavens and sand on the seashore. So through this almost dead guy, okay, there's now descendants. You and I are a part of the family of God. And some of y'all know that I love the message and this just really made me giggle. And so I looked at verse 12 in the message and it says, that's how it happened that from one man's dead and shriveled loins, there are now people numbering into the millions. That's what every man wants to hear that your loins are shriveled and dead, right? But that's what happened, right? Because of God's promise. And they kept looking forward is what they did. Okay, let's move to section, uh, the verses 17 through 22. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac, your descendant shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead from which he also received him back as a type. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. So what's happening here? So Abraham's been on this decades long faith journey and God says, I'm gonna test your faith and I want you to offer up your son on an altar. Okay, he was the promise to fulfill. And he, I want you to sacrifice him. And this was a faith test. And what we don't get in Genesis 22 that we do get right here in Hebrews 11 is that we get to see how Abraham is thinking. We get to see the depth of his faith because he is thinking that, hey, it may take God raising him from the dead, but he had so much faith, so much trust in the promise that God had made to him, he knew that something was gonna happen to fulfill that even if he had to sacrifice his son. And so, and then God says to Abraham, I see your heart and now we're gonna do this another way. We're gonna let a ram be the sacrifice for what's gonna happen. And then Isaac goes on to be the father of many going forward. And so Abraham had persevered through a long journey of faith to a point of great maturity. Isaac was looking to the future when he blessed Jacob and Esau. As he blessed them, he sees the future. Jacob blessed the 12 sons. It's the last act of his life based on faith in a future promise. Joseph even prophesied the exodus of Israel and gave instructions to be buried in the promised land. Hey, here's what I want you to do with my bones. I'm so sure this is gonna happen. You keep my bones, remember where they are, and you take them with you when you go to the promised land. And folks, this was 700 years before any of this got fulfilled. 
So our patriarchs, they're looking at promises that were given 700 years before and said, I'm believing this, so I'm gonna obey now, even though this isn't gonna happen for 700 years going forward. All right, 13 through 16, here's kind of how they did it. It's a great pivot statement in verse 13. It says, all these that we've just talked about died in faith without receiving the promises. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God and he has prepared a holy city for them. All these died in faith without having received the promises. It's incredible that they bet their life on this, okay? And they had seen the land, but they hadn't taken the land. The the promise hadn't been fulfilled. And one of the great, I love the passage in Matthew 13, 17, where Jesus says this to his followers. He says, for truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, talking to us, right? And did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So he was referring back to these guys that, hey, they believed the promise of God. They trusted God. Another thing this communicates is they, they lived knowing that they were strangers and exiles and that this land where they were going to was not gonna be their home. And that's not a new It's not just an Old Testament concept, right? Throughout the scripture, we see it. Jesus in John 17 says that, hey, followers of Christ are not of this world. Peter says we're aliens and strangers in 1 Peter 2. Philippians 3 said our citizenship is in heaven. 2 Corinthians 5 says we're ambassadors of Christ, that we are are from another kingdom and we're being sent to another kingdom to have influence from the previous kingdom or the kingdom we're a part of. The passage goes on and just strengthens the faith here or the promise here. It says, hey, they had the chance to go back. They were homesick, but they kept going forward, okay, because they believed in this promise that God had given them. And that word desire in that passage for a better country or a better home or a, a heavenly city really has the connotations that you set your heart on it. You aspire to it, you reach forward for it. You desire it earnestly. And then God says that he'd prepared, prepared a city for them, that he's not ashamed. That God's not ashamed of these patriarchs because there's three steps forward and two steps back, right? He's getting ready. He's preparing a place for them. So we're gonna spend the next 10 minutes and we're gonna give you four things that I want to grow in and I want you to grow in that will help you and your family grow your faith. Okay, the first is that you wanna grow your faith in God's goodness and his greatness. Okay, you wanna grow your faith in God's sovereignty and that he really has good things in mind for you. Is that hard sometimes? On this earth, it doesn't feel like he wants good things for me sometimes, right? But we've gotta do what Abraham did. Okay, we gotta keep going back over the promises of God and the word of God. So the way that you do that is you spend lots of time in God's word. And folks, I'm just gonna tell you, there's no shortcut here, right? You've gotta schedule it, plan it, 
have a plan and it's the only way that we can grow this trust is by, God. it's not the only way, but it's the first way to grow our trust. Because so many of us have intellectual faith or an intellectual trust in the goodness and sovereignty of God. We don't have real faith. Whenever that faith opportunity comes, we shrink back in fear, whether that's sharing our faith or whether that's inviting somebody to to church because we know it's good for them, but we shrink back in fear. We really don't believe that God loves us and that he's got great plans for us. Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Remember that faith is a really big deal. Here's how we get it, by listening to the word of Christ. One of the fun things I learned as I was going through the passage is that um, in verse 11, Sarah says, hey, she, since she, or to Sarah, since she considered him faithful who had promised. And again, that's interesting to me, because remember, Sarah had laughed when she heard the promise, right? She had just, she just said, oh, that's funny. I'm old, I can't have any kids. And she laughed kind of at the messengers that brought that message. But you can read in Genesis, the promise is repeated over and over and over again. And in chapter 21, one and two, it says, the Lord took note of Sarah and did for Sarah as he had promised. Repetition in the promises of God changed Sarah's faith to trust what was going on. And so when we give repeated attention to God's promises and his word, our faith becomes stronger. And so you guys have heard me talk about this before and I just can't get around it. Probably every third time I teach, I've got this thing called the planned biblical response. Okay, you've heard it, fine. Here's what it is. I look at the weak areas of my life, okay, from a, from a godly standpoint, and I'm like, I've gotta, I gotta make some progress here. Progress here. So I go through and I'll list just five or six passages and I'll start spending intentional time just reading and memorizing those passages so that it grows my faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And you can do that, it's really easy, right? Hey, I need to grow in how I see God's love for me. Go get Psalm 139, right? And just read it over and over, memorize it and it'll start to grow your faith and how that works. So the first thing is grow your faith in God's greatness and his goodness. Second, grow your faith in God's promises about the future, okay? Revelation 21 and 22 should be on a regular reading plan for you. Go read what the heavenly city that Abraham was talking to looks like, what it feels like, how it works. Okay, because it builds your faith. It's like, here's what's coming. And I will tell you, if I, as I move into my 60s, that's getting here a lot faster. Okay, and so let me tell you what I'm excited about. I'm excited that one day our faith is gonna become sight. All this stuff that we're trusting in, right? It's gonna become real and we're gonna see it. We're gonna have a complete understanding of creation, of life, of relationships. This heavenly city has no more pain It's got no more tears, it's got no more trouble, it's got no more tribulation. And folks, this is not some fiction out there, this is real. This place we're going to if we're a Christ follower. First John 3, 2, which super excites me, we're gonna see him as he is, full knowledge of who Jesus is and what intimacy with him looks like. And then here's the thing, Jesus is gonna get what he finally deserves. 
Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's whether you're righteous or whether you're wicked, you're bowing. It's what he deserves right now. There's just not a ton of us in the world that are giving it to him. But he's gonna get what he deserves and then something we've all been craving ever since we've been alive is right, correct justice. Okay, is gonna be meted out fairly by the God of the universe. Folks, I, that's gonna be incredible. And as we grow our heart and our faith for what's coming in the future, it's gonna help us work through the three steps forward, two steps back, the tribulations that are coming our way. Third, we grow our faith in the fact that heaven is your home. I just talked about That's where we're going, that we are living as aliens and strangers and ambassadors in this thing. And I'll just tell you, Trish and I didn't do a great job of talking with our kids about this. We kind of spent a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money on this world right here, okay? And so I would tell you, if I had to do it all over again, I would spend some time talking about this is not our home. This is, this is not it. So go home today with your kids and say, hey, Pastor Kyle talked about the fact that we're strangers in a foreign land. What do you think that means? And then have a conversation. Just talk to them. Hey, there's this heavenly place. Hey, let's go to Revelation 21 and 22 and let's talk about it. And that's gonna, flee, that's gonna be a great place because right now, it feels like we're living for the dot, right? Take a, take a timeline. And there's this dot on here that's 70 years that we get. Okay, but eternity is on the front side of the dot and eternity is on the back side of the dot. And we're living for the dot, right? We're not living for eternity. So a great community group question for you. What do you see me doing that is living for today too much and not living for the future? Whether that's your time, whether that's your money, other resources that you have, whether that's your talent, what are you doing to live for the future? And so the last one is to grow your faith in God's heart for you. And that is he, he, he's waiting for the day, folks, when we get to go and see these fulfilled promises. It says he's preparing a city for you. Like it sounds a little bit like Jesus, right? John 14, two and three just says, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. Folks, it's real. It's not a myth. This promise of a future, incredible place that we're gonna be is real. And the way that the patriarchs, okay, in Hebrews 11, eight through 22, survived what they were doing is they kept their eyes focused on that heavenly city. They knew that they were not in their home. And so they had this picture of that, which is exactly what we need to do. And so at the end of my conversation with my buddy, uh, which he usually does, he just kind of said, hey, Kyle, what do you hear that I'm saying that's off or doesn't make sense? And anything I should change about how I'm thinking. And I said, are you kidding? I said, I'm, I'm so sorry for what may happen from a pain perspective. And, uh, and he goes, look, I'm the biggest wimp ever when it comes to pain. But he just said, if God's gonna get glory, right, through the pain, other people are gonna hear about Jesus for that, I'm good. And so I told him, I said, you keep telling your story. 
because I need to hear, all your friends need to hear, your ministry needs to hear that this place we're talking about, this future promise is real and that you are not super worried about one of the temporary trials that we're having on this earth. And man, it blessed me. And I have no idea what he's gonna find out in the next couple of days when he goes to MD Anderson. But he's living with peace and joy, okay, faithfulness, and still on mission for the kingdom of God. So Abraham, or the author of Hebrews 11, gave us a lot of examples. Here's the last application. You have all kinds of examples around you right now. Examples of by faith, I, boom. So let me just read you a couple. Okay, by faith, Gary Emerson goes to Africa two times a year, okay, in a ministry. And so as he started becoming uh, involved here at our church, he goes, hey, I know you guys are doing something in Africa. Where is it? We're in Uganda. He goes, great, I'm gonna go by and see our buddy Liberty in Uganda. They meet up and all of a sudden now, and this is, stay tuned, two weeks, I'll give you a lot more details. But now this incredible things happen in Africa where their two ministries are kind of combined. By faith, Gary goes to Africa. By faith, my good friend, David Lord, a counselor, meets with 10 to 15 broken marriages every single week because he's convinced that God's word matters, right? He's convinced that it can bring healing and freedom. By faith, hundreds of you got up this morning an hour earlier than normal and discipled our kids on the west end of this building. Why would you do that if you didn't think it mattered to build a foundation in our kids' lives? That's crazy, right? But by faith, you did that. By faith, we have community shepherds and we have small group leaders who are leaning into community groups and helping them leave the one another's. And there's hard stuff in there. Why would you do that? If you didn't think it matters, if you weren't convinced that it mattered and helping folks see the future promises of God. And I would just tell you folks, we should be the most hopeful people in the world because of what's coming. Don't live for the dot, right? Live for the future and give your life away for these 70 years, okay? So that more and more people can live for eternity so that you can be rewarded in eternity because of how you lived here on this earth. And so I'll close with this. I would just tell you it's worth it right now to sell out for Jesus and this future promise. I mean, sell out. Okay, every area of your life, living in the middle of unfulfilled promises. Okay, Jesus said, you're gonna have troubles, but take heart. I've overcome the world. I'm gonna come get you and I'm gonna take you to this place that I've prepared for you. And you wanna live for something beyond anything that we can see here but there's any beyond anything that we can ask or think. Folks, it's worth it to sell out for Jesus in his kingdom. And we wanna help you. It's what we wanna do at City Bridges, sell out. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org.
You can also follow us on social at CityBridgeCC. See you next time.